Once again, good morning, church, and welcome to New Bridge Christian Church. It is always a pleasure to have you all in the hands of God this morning. And I believe that if you are here this morning, God has brought you here to bless you. Amen. Your amen has partial paralysis. I said, God has brought you here to bless you. Amen. 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 Listen, the word amen is very powerful because you are coming into agreement with what is declared. You are saying, let it be so. So anytime you're saying amen, like you are not sure, you're not sure of what you're saying amen to. But anytime you say amen to something, it's a, it's a signature on the declaration. You say, I endorse this blessing. I agree with this blessing. Amen. amen. Genesis chapter 27, verse 38 to 40. I'm going to read from the New International Version. Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing? My father, bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will always will be away from the earth riches, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off your neck. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off your neck. Father, we give you praise this morning because your word is living and powerful. Your word is able to change. Your word is able to transform. And your word is able to deliver. We pray that by the reason of your word this morning, captives will be set free. Amen. Chains will be broken. Amen. Yokes will be broken. Amen. And burdens will depart from your people this morning. Amen. Let your people be free this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. We bless you, my Father, because you are mighty in the midst of your people. Take all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll be talking to you this morning on what I caption, breaking the yoke of servitude. Breaking the yoke of servitude. In other words, we are breaking the yoke that causes you to be a servant. Because there are many people that God has ordained masters, but practically they become servants. There are those that God has made CEOs and presidents, but they become employees. There are those that God has made employers, but they are struggling to survive under other people. But this morning as we begin to pray, any yoke that has made you a servant shall be broken off your life. In the name of Jesus. When your amen gets so loud, you'll be free. Amen. As when your amen gets so loud, you'll be free. Amen. Any yoke upon your life that has made you a servant, that yoke shall be broken. Amen. Listen, there are people who work for money, but don't spend that money on themselves. They spend it for crisis. They spend it for sickness. They spend it to resolve conflicts. But the Lord is saying this morning, anything that has made you a slave is about to be destroyed this morning. In the name of Jesus. It shall be destroyed. Amen. Listen, there is never a time that somebody comes out from captivity by no means. It is always a struggle or a fight to be free. Before we have black people and white people today being able to sit in the same hall, somebody fought for it. It was never free. Before South Africa is free from apartheid today, somebody fought for it. It is never free. So if you think as a Christian you're going to be coming to church every Sunday, dressed well, looking good, smelling good, that you're going to be free, you're deceiving yourself. You have to fight for your freedom. And this morning, 
As you grow restless in the presence of the Lord, a yoke is about to be broken off your neck. In the name of Jesus, it's about to be broken. For us to understand the context of this verse that we read this morning, we need to go back to where it began. And then we walk our way down all the way to where we read this morning. In Genesis 27, verse 1 to 4, this is a very interesting story that I'd like you to pay attention. Isaac was very old, and at this time he's about to pass down the mantle or the mandate to the next generation. And so he calls his first son, according to the culture, to bless him. And he says, go and bring me some food so I can bless you. You know, the question I asked myself this morning is, why would my father need me to bring him food before he blesses me? Because he could bless me anyway, I'm his son. But why does he need food to bless me? There were two candidates in the house, Esau and Jacob. The father had to put a mark, a criteria that would qualify one for the blessing. And the mark was not just food, it was about service. Any time in the Bible that a blessing left one man to another, it left and went through service. Elisha was able to take the double portion of Elijah's mantle because he served Elijah. Jesus preached to 5,000 people, but he only ordained 12 because they served him. Service is the way to connect to blessings. It's the way to connect to miracles. I have seen many people walk to you like a man of God and say, transfer me your anointing. So you think that what I've cultivated for more than 20 years of ministry, I can just walk to you somewhere as a stranger and give it to you. The only thing that connects you to what I have is service. And so the father said, if you bring me food, then I'm going to bless you. So I want to let you know this morning that you have to serve in order to be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. When you start serving, you start attracting yourself to the blessings of the Lord. That is why when they say be an usher in the church, be something in the church, most people see it as a burden. But for those who know, they know this is an opportunity for me to be blessed. Amen. Because as you are serving, God is serving you so. He's serving you somewhere. As you are doing things for God, God is doing things for you. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Yeah. And then in verse 5 to 10, Rebecca had this request. The wife of Isaac conspired with the son to get the blessing. Now, it was important because when Rebecca was pregnant with these twins, there is something God said to Rebecca that he did not say to Isaac. The Lord said to Rebecca, there are two nations in your womb, but the younger is going to be greater than the, than the elder. So Rebecca had this declaration, but Isaac did not hear it. So Rebecca wanted to make sure that what God said to her was going to be fulfilled. So she conspired with Isaac and then faked everything. And then Isaac, I mean, yeah, J J Jacob was able to get the blessing. We need women who can hear the voice of God. Tell somebody we need mothers who can hear from God. Tell a woman by yourself, we need mothers who can hear from God. I say, shake a woman that you see, say, we need mothers who can hear from God. Hallelujah. Listen, when you have a mother who can hear from God, there are certain things that cannot take you by surprise. I have a pastor back home. The wife is very prayerful. He was my Bible school teacher. This woman is very prayerful. When the children come back from school, in, his, in her prayer time, she's able to know what happened to the children at school. 
One time they wanted to initiate her daughter in school. As she was praying, God revealed to her in the prayer time that your daughter is about to be initiated in school through banana. The moment the child stepped home, the mom said, who gave you banana today in, in school? She said, my friend. The mother prayed and the child vomited a banana right there. Imagine she was not able to hear from God. That child will be captivated. There are many of us that have been in captivated because we cannot hear from God. You are traveling to Delaware. There is an accident in Maryland. The Lord said, don't go, don't go, don't go. Because your ears are too close. You go and get yourself into an accident. But the Lord has been warning you several ways not to go. But you cannot hear from God. I pray this morning, may your ears be open. Amen. I say, may your ears be open. Amen. In the name of Jesus. In verse 11 to 13, Jacob complained about the risk of being caught, which will end up in a curse instead of a blessing. The mother said, don't worry about that. Let the curse rest on me. She was so determined to see the word of God fulfilled that she was willing to take a curse for her son than to watch and see that the blessing was given to somebody else. That is how determined she was. You know, if you are such a person that is willing to see God's word fulfilled, you're willing to see it fulfilled at any expense. There is nothing that God will not do for you. Hallelujah. You must be so determined that it doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter what it's going to take. I must see what God has said come to pass. It must be accomplished. In verse 14 to 17, Jacob brought a goat from the flock and gave it to the mother. The mother prepared a meal just the way the father wanted. And the mother took the skin of the goat that they had killed and covered Jacob with it. That is how Esau was so hairy. You can imagine that if the man was so hairy that his skin was compared to that of a goat. That is how hairy he was. I mean, this man was like a gorilla, I can imagine. To, to know that they can fake his body with the skin of a goat. That is how hairy he was. They covered him with these things, and then he took the meal into the father's presence. And what I see is that Jacob was not really supposed to be blamed. The master conspiracy was done by the mother. Jacob even had no, no idea how to take his blessing, but the mother orchestrated everything and got the blessing for Jacob. Most theologians have compared this scenario to what is going on in Africa and the West. They say that Jacob is like the West and Esau is like Africa. Then the mother is like uh, United Nations or all these international bodies or the world market. Let me quote an example. Ivory Coast is the first cocoa producing country in the world. Ivory Coast. But chocolate is cheaper in America than in Ivory Coast. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> Another example. If you go like to uh, Africa, they are most, of, most of us produce palm oil. We produce palm oil. The grade one, the, what they call grade one of the palm oil, we don't even see it in Africa. It's an American market that we see the grade one of the oil. So, Esau is a hunter. But when he came to the day to produce what he has been hunting all his life, he didn't have it. He has to go to the forest to look for it. And then somebody who has never been hunting gets the blessing. That is how it goes. And the mother who is supposed to say no, the eldest deserves the blessing because he is the hunter and that is what the father is looking for. She conspires to get the son the blessing. That is exactly what the international organizations are doing right now. 
Can you imagine that? We produce the cocoa, but the world market tells us how much we should sell the cocoa to them. They dictate the price of the cocoa. They dictate the price of coffee. They are the one buying, but they tell us how much they are going to buy. So it's that we are coming to the market without a choice. This is the picture that most people see here. But I'm not going to go into politics this morning because I'm not running for office. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just saying. <laughs> Amen. I'm just saying. And so, she, she conspires with Jacob and get the blessing. Jacob took the meal. But Isaac was doubting because he was kind of confused that how can this man go for hunting so fast and come back? So he's like, is this really you? And then Jacob says, it's me, my father, it's me. And then he said, your voice sounds like the voice of, 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 of Jacob, but your, your smell and your skin is that of Esau. And then he came close. And the Bible says when he smelled him, when he smelled him, he confirmed that this was Esau. There is something spiritually that I'm going to share with you briefly. It's not as part of the message this morning, but it's just to give you an understanding. There is one way that people are manipulated spiritually. It's what they call demonic smell. Demonic smell. There's a young lady who is very beautiful physically, but not attracted by any man. Doesn't matter the pedicure, the manicure, the Brazilian hair, the Malaysian hair, whatever hair she has, nobody gives her a compliment. But anytime she dreams, she sees herself being chased or pursued by flies, a bunch of flies. Because there is a demonic smell over her life that even though she doesn't smell naturally, when she comes beside somebody, just her presence irritates people. There are people who have been given demonic smells. The moment you go for an interview somewhere, even though you are qualified for the job, the moment they see you, something about you irritates them. They don't want to deal with you anymore. If there is anybody here this morning that has a demonic smell, may you be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I said, may you be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And I thought about it again. I said, Isaac said, this is the smell of Esau. Because it smells like a forest. I don't know that uh, that could be a compliment. Can you imagine you embrace somebody and say, oh, my brother, you smell like a forest. Mm, you smell good. I don't know if that's a compliment. This, this is what the Bible says. Maybe we should try it when you leave the church today. Hope someone and say, you smell like a forest. You smell like a goat. Oh, it smells so good. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. But this for, for Isaac was a compliment because that is how his son smelled. And he confirmed that this was actually the son. And after Isaac had cleared all his doubts, he asked for the food. He embraced his son, confirmed by the smell that it was him. You know, then he blessed him. And then in verse 28 to 29, this is the blessing that Isaac gave to, to Jacob. I'm going to read it to you. It says, May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. With few words, he changed the destiny of this man. Now, when we talk about blessing here, most people think about blessing in terms of possessing material things. 
For example, if somebody has a good car, a good house, a good job, you know, a good house, they think they are blessed. There is something that is much more than blessings. There is a difference between blessings and the blessing. Let me explain it to you again this morning. There is a difference between blessings and the blessing. Blessings talk about the material things that you possess. Your cars are blessings with S. All the things that you have is blessings. But the blessing, it is something different. In Malachi chapter 3, when the Bible talks about tithing, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and see if I will not pour you out, not blessings. It says, I will pour you out a blessing. One, a blessing, not blessings. The blessing in this context speaks about the power to succeed. In other words, Isaac did, and Isaac did not give Jacob houses. He did not give him his cars, his camels, his, his, his sheep. What he gave Jacob was the power to succeed. When the blessing comes upon you, whatever you touch prospers. Amen. When the blessing comes upon you, when whoever sees you favors you. Amen. Don't go for blessings. Go for the blessing. I say don't go for blessings. Go for the blessing. Because when you have the blessing, somebody said that a man who has the blessing is like a cassava stem. You don't understand it. You've never, you've, never, you've never been a farmer. If you throw a cassava stem anywhere it grows, as long as it can connect to water, it will germinate. That is how a man who is blessed is. In Psalms chapter 1 it says, a man who is blessed is like a tree that is planted by the riverside that bears root in season and out of season. Go for the blessing and not blessings. This is what God, Jacob, I mean Isaac gave Jacob. That is why when we do dedication and we bless children, some people think it's just, you know, empty words. But this is empowerment to succeed. Hallelujah. It is empowerment to succeed. We say a thing and it's able to come to pass. We make declarations naturally, but they take effect in the spirit. You remember what our brother was testifying some time ago? He had a court case and he was supposed to go to the court. He came and we prayed. And one of the, the declarations we made was that your accusers will be silent. Amen. They will not speak. And he said amen and he believed him. He testified that the day he went to court, the police that gave him the traffic, the reckless ticket was there. He carried all his papers and came to the stand. And then the judge said, can you present your case? And all he could do was this. And he just said, you cannot speak, we're going to move to the next case. The guy was wondering why a police officer could not speak. But what was affecting this man not to speak? There was a declaration that was made that was affecting his life because he had to come to pass. So when I say you are blessed in the name of Jesus, many say amen without understanding. There is a spiritual transaction going on anytime we make a declaration. Hallelujah. Go for the blessing. Don't follow blessings. Go for the blessing. And let me tell you something which is interesting. The blessing which is spoken of in the Old Testament is a picture of Jesus Christ. Is somebody hearing me this morning? The blessing which is spoken of in the Old Testament is a picture of Jesus Christ. Remember, God said to Abraham, through your seed shall all nations be blessed. It was not talking about Isaac. It was not talking about Jacob. It was talking about 
Jesus Christ. Through Jesus shall all the nations be blessed. He said to Eve, after they fell, he said, The seed of the woman shall cross the, shall bruise the head of the serpent. Who was he talking about? He was talking about Jesus. Jesus is a seed blessing. When you have Jesus in your life, he can multiply to, into anything around your life. He can multiply into money. He can multiply into good health. He can multiply into prosperity. This is why Apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossians says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. In other words, when you have Christ in you, there is a hope for a glorious life. Go for the blessing. Some people are running from place to place, church to church, going after prophets and pastors. But they don't know that the one that is able to change life is Jesus and not a man. If you have Jesus in your life and you have a relationship with him, anywhere you go, you are favored and you are blessed. Hallelujah. Go for the blessing. Tell somebody, go for the blessing. And then as soon as the father blessed Jacob, that was when Esau came. He hurriedly rushed into the house. He was frying things in the kitchen. I don't know what kind of song he was singing because that was his day. He knows, oh, today my life is about to change. After he fried everything, did all the baking and everything, went with the food. And the dad said it was too late. I pray on the day of your blessing, may you not be late. Amen. I said, on the day of your blessing, may you not be late. Amen. One of the greatest ways the devil is able to manipulate Christians is to make them late. I remember a time where I had an interview when I just came into this country. Program myself that I'm going to attend that interview. It was at 9 o'clock. I took a day off from work to go attend this interview. Listen to what happened. Mysterious. I got into the place. It's a gated company. You have to start, park at the gate, make a call, then I'll send somebody from the office to come and pick you up from the gate. So I'm there at the gate, waiting for them to come and pick me up. All my documents are in the car. All my resume, the things I need to show to get into the company and everything is in the car. And then, my key was still in the car. So when the guy came and said, let's go, I closed the door of my car. And I closed everything inside that, inside that car. And then the guy said, Can you, I'm sure you have your ID and everything. I said, let me get it. The door could not open. And the guy said, well, when you figure it out, call me again. It took me like an hour because I had to call Geico to come open the door so I could get my documents. I, even though I, I went for the interview, but the stress and the pressure that I went through, I was not even in the mood again to, to be interviewed. This is how the devil operates in the life of Christians. He makes sure that he makes you late to places that matter. Can you imagine that? Sometimes we are able to go late early to every place except the church. You think that's normal? The devil knows if you have an appointment with God and you take it seriously, something is about to change your life. But when he sees that this service may be dedicated to you, that is the morning that your son or your daughter becomes sick. And you can't make it to church on time because he knows if you step foot here on time, something is about to happen. On the day of your blessing, may you not be late. Amen. I said, may you not be late. In the name of Jesus. And then Esau asked, he said, my father. I mean, Jacob asked, he said, who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. He trembled violently and said, who was it that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate just before you came and I blessed him. 
And indeed, he is blessed. When you are late, nothing else matters. I told you that spiritually, whenever you have an appointment with God, you come late, you are out of God's agenda. This is what happens in the spirit. Whenever you have an appointment with God and you're late, you are out of God's agenda. If men, if you had an appointment with a president or a king or a governor and you went 15 minutes late, will they receive you? So what makes you think you can walk in late in God's presence and be received? I want you to receive this spiritually because when you get this mystery, things will change for you. Hallelujah. May you not be late on the day of your appointment. Amen. May you not be late. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? That is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Now he's taking my blessing. Then he asks, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Esau recognized that one of Jacob's advantage that was affecting him was his name. Because Jacob means deceiver. Now I don't understand why people still name their children Jacob. When the Lord himself had to change his name from Jacob to Israel, and people are still calling their children today Jacob. I don't understand why. Are you moving backwards or forwards? God comes and changes somebody's name from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel. And then you have the gods to have a child in 2019 and call the child Jacob. Something is wrong somewhere. You are happy to call your child deceiver. Let me tell you, not every name that is in the Bible is a godly name. There are names in the Bible with terrible meanings. Like Miriam. Miriam means rebellion. You have a daughter, you call me, me, and you wonder why the child is so stubborn. Because the child, the name is rebellion. Names are powerful and they have influence over people's lives. Your name is the only prophecy that you will hear till you die. Anytime God changed a man's life in the Bible, he changed his name. When he met Abraham, he called him Abraham. And Sarah became Sarah. When he met Jacob, he became what? Israel. Anytime God encountered a man and changed his name and changed his life, his name was changed. And you notice that their future was the meaning of their names. Abraham meant father of many nations, and that is what God said he was going to become. So imagine your name is suffering, for example. Anytime they call you, what are they saying? Suffering! They're speaking suffering over your life. But if your name is favor, anytime they call your name, what are they saying? They are prophesying favor into your life. What is your name? Do you know the meaning of your name? Go check your meaning of your name. Maybe come back next Sunday for, for change. Maybe we'll have to change your birth certificate. Because you're receiving bad prophecies all day, all now. Hallelujah. Esau recognized that Jacob was walking according to his name. The second thing which Jacob failed, Esau failed to do is that he said that he has taken advantage of me now two times. He took my blessing, my birthright, and now he has taken my blessing. He failed to understand that the reason why Jacob was able to take his blessing was because he sold his birthright to Jacob. Because according to the Jewish culture, it was the first son that needed to be blessed. If Jacob had not bought the birthright, the blessing would not, would not have landed on him because legally he was not the first son. But because he had bought the birthright, spiritually speaking, he was not the first son. That is why the blessing was able to land 
on Jacob because he bought the birthright. The reason why some of us continue to suffer is because we do not see the part we play in our troubles. We are easy, easy to blame people. Oh, he has taken my blessing. But he forgot to, to see that the reason why his blessing was taken away was because he saw his birthright. A woman came to me one time and I was complaining. I've been married for, for three years. I mean, eight years now, no child. Pray, nothing is happening. Why me? Why me? Why me? And we pray, pray, pray. You know, sometimes you pray for somebody until you become frustrated, like, I'm tired, just go. I don't want to pray anymore. And one day the Lord said to me, ask this woman if she was ever pregnant before. I'm asking myself, you know, the first thing the Lord said is that, ask her if she's married to the man, to her husband. Because when she came, she was talking about, you know, my, my husband, my, so I assume that she's married. When I start to ask questions, I discovered that she has been living with this man for years, never been married. You are living with somebody illegally and you are expecting a legitimate God to bless your illegal relationship. It doesn't work like that. Then secondly, when I asked her about if she ever had a child, that's when she opened the record and said, when I was in secondary school, I got pregnant. Because I didn't want to keep the pregnancy, I flushed it out. When I met my husband now, I was in high school. I got pregnant again, flushed it out. Then when we finally came together, we started living together, I got pregnant again. But I was afraid that he may not marry me and leave me a single mom. I flushed it out again. And now you are here before God crying, oh God, why me? Not taking responsibility for all the things you've done. Whenever you push blame to people and not see how you contributed to that problem, that problem cannot be solved. Because when you start seeing how you contributed to the problem, that is the first step to solve that problem. Whatever you are suffering, your hand is in it somewhere, somehow. Is somebody hearing me this morning? When you come before God and say, God, these things, is these things are happening to me because I did something. That is the first step to your freedom. See yourself, how you've caused yourself the pain. That's what Esau did not do. His father answered and said, he answered, I, Isaac answered him and said, your dwelling will be away from earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven. You would live by the sword and serve your brother. But this is where it gets interesting, which we're going to use today to pray. He says, but the day you grow restless, you will break his yoke off your neck. In other words, you are going to serve your brother as long as you are comfortable. That is what the father will say. You are going to be in this captivity as long as you are comfortable. Let me bring it to a day-to-day -day context. You are going to be poor as long as you are comfortable. You are going to be sick as long as you are comfortable. You are going to stay in that addiction as long as you are comfortable. You are going to continue suffering what your father suffered, what your mother suffered, as long as you are comfortable. You are going to keep failing, seeing the same disappointments, experiencing the same disgrace as long as you are comfortable. But the day you grow restless, that yoke shall be broken off your neck. Amen. May somebody become restless this morning. Amen. I say, may somebody become restless this morning. Amen. Until you become restless, nothing will change for you. We've been in a deliverance service while prayer is going on. You see somebody sitting there chewing gum. Are you serious about your deliverance? While others are waging war in the spirit, crying, oh God, have mercy on me. 
Waging war in the spirit. You are there walking with your hands in your pocket, chewing gum. Then the yoke is going to increase over your neck. But when you become restless in the presence of the Lord, that yoke cannot stay. Hallelujah. That yoke cannot stay. That yoke shall be broken. There are people with different kinds of yokes. Yoke of hardship. Like I said, they work so hard, they never see the fruit of their labor. Yoke of disappointment. I was talking to a lady some many years ago. She came for prayer because she said, Say, Pastor, five different men have come to our house and done introduction. And after the introduction, they go and never show back. Five. And some people say it's coincidence. If something happened once, we say it's an accident. If it happens twice, we say coincidence. When it happens the third time, the devil's hand is in it. Five times. There are some people under this kind of yokes. Yoke of joblessness. They, they work here, three months they're fired. They get a new job, they're fired. Because there is a power fighting them never to keep any job. Yoke of addiction. Yoke of vain labor, like I was saying. Somebody said to me, say, Pastor, I work. I get paid. But I cannot account for what I do with my money. Vain labor. This is a yoke that is upon people. But hear what the Bible says. When you become restless, that yoke shall be broken. Amen. What does it mean to be restless before we pray? When you say enough is enough, that is when you're restless. When you refuse to let the devil rule over you, that is when you're restless. When you refuse to allow sin to dominate your life, that is when you're restless. When you refuse to see yourself suffer what your parents suffer, that is when you're restless. When you refuse to see the same thing happen to you over and over and over again, that is when you are restless. When you refuse to experience the same disappointments again, that is when you're restless. And when a man is restless, their attitude is different. They pray differently. They seek God differently. They fast differently. How can you be in trouble? And they say fasting. You fast from 6 o'clock to 12 and you want to die. And you expect the yoke to be broken off your neck. You're fasting from 6 o'clock in the morning to 12 in the afternoon. When the person that put the yoke over your neck slept in the grave for 6 months to put that yoke over your neck. And you think that by 3 hours fasting you can break that yoke. The same power that put a yoke over your neck demands another power that is greater to break that yoke. Like I used to say, somebody goes to Africa or anywhere and go to a voodoo priest to put a curse on you. And the, 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 the voodoo priest says, take this, this, this medicine, go to an intercession, and at 12 midnight, go around that that intercession seven times, calling that person's name. They are the eighth time you throw it in the center. They will never succeed. That is what the person did. And then you're under a case. And then you realize that things are not working for you. They say, pray. You get the money and you walk in your life. Father, let this case be broken. Let this case, you pray and nothing is changing because you are not restless. When you are restless, you, is that kind of prayer you go down on your knees? You pray until you forget that there's anything like time. You seek God's face. You wage war in the spirit. Because something is happening in the spirit. That has to, be, that has to change your life. Hallelujah. When you are restless. When was the last time you prayed for one hour, for even 30 minutes? You want things to change for your life? But you can sit and watch TV. Catch all your shows for like six hours. 
Then when it comes to prayer, say, Father, thank you for today. Bless you for all the things you've done in Jesus. Plus, Jesus might not start that you go to bed. You expect things to change for you. When you are restless, things will change for you. Amen. I said, when you are restless, things will change for you. Amen. When you get up at midnight in your house, you wear a shirt with no shirt. You're walking down in the basement, climbing the stairs, say, Father, my family must change. My, my, my business must change. As you make these declarations consistently, before you know it, the same place that you were rejected begins to call you because you've grown restless. I came this morning to provoke somebody to grow restless. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Grow restless. Things must change for you in 2020. Amen. You are many so weak. I said things must change for you in 2020. Amen. As you grow restless. That is why we're beginning the year with 21 days prayer for restless people. Because this 2020, what I saw in 2019, I will not see again. Amen. I am going from glory to glory. Yes. Nothing that I experienced bad this year will happen to me again next year. Because I'm restless. Amen. Amen. When we started fasting, you fast in the morning. And as you go to work that day, you see donuts in the lobby. You say, oh, Father, thank you for this prayer. <laughs> as I end now, you take the job. Continue eating your donuts. At the end of the 21 days, nothing will change. But restless people forget there is anything like food. They are thinking about what God will do for them. They, they are desiring a better end. What will donut do for you? After you eat that donut, four hours you go to the restroom. It's all out. But when you're restless, time doesn't matter. Food doesn't matter because you know something great is happening to you that food cannot give to you. How are you restless, my brothers? Are you desperate for a change? Are you desperate for a change? Do you want to see God do something in your life this year? Are you aggressive in prayer? How hard do you pray? That is why when you see people, the way they pray, you know how restless they are. They give a prayer topic in church, like, let's pray that whatever I experienced in 2019, I shall not experience again in 20, and you're like, you see us? When you are restless, your prayer vocabulary changes. Your attitude in prayer changes because you know there is something much more taking place in the spirit. Hallelujah. Can we rise on our feet? Someone is restless this morning. Let me see those who are restless. Wave your hands if you are restless. If you are restless, raise your hands. Raise your hands.